we're excited to have all of you engaged in ministry. We need more folks at this church engaged in ministry because that's what we're all about. That's, who, that's truly what we're all about. So I want to share some things with you this morning about making a case for Jesus and can we live as Jesus lived. You know, a few weeks ago when I started preaching, one of, the, one of the earliest messages that I shared with you was a simple fact that I want us to see Jesus. As a church, I want us to see Jesus. I want us to see who he is. I want us to be like him. Um, Clint, I got to tell you, I, didn't, I, I was out of town when your brother's memorial service was taking place, but Ray told me the story. And the coolest thing that I heard in a long time was what Ray shared with me just a few minutes ago because of what your nephew said about his father at the memorial service where he made a statement, and I'm not going to quote Ray exactly, but he made a statement, something to the effect of, if you ever saw my dad, you saw Jesus. And that is an amazing thing for a son, especially to say about his father at his memorial service, but for anyone to think that about another man, another individual is amazing. I'm sorry I didn't know him. And I regret that I didn't get a chance to be acquainted with him over the years that he was still with us. But that is truly a phenomenal thing to have said about oneself at his or her memorial service. If you've seen him, you've seen Jesus. And I want us to look again at how Jesus lived his life. Because there are things that Jesus did that are important for us in understanding how we too should live. Years ago, back in the 70s, there was this guy, he was kind of a famous Christian theologian at the time. He lived over in Europe, I forget where, I want to say France, but I could be mistaken. His name was Francis Schaeffer. Some of you may be acquainted with his writings. He did a lot of writing and speaking in the 60s and 70s. And he wrote a book that was entitled, How Should We Then Live? And I read it when I was in college, and I can't tell you three things in it because I don't remember anything about the book except the title, and Francis Schaeffer wrote it. You ever have those moments? Maybe it's a senior moment, but I remember the title, How Should We Then Live? And the reality is when we look at Jesus, he gives us a picture of how he wants us to live. And so in John chapter 5, there are some things that Jesus does. There's some things that he says about how he lives his life and, and where he gets the power and the insight and, and the spirit, and I'm going to use that word on purpose, where he gets the spirit to do the things that he does. And I want us to look at that for a few minutes because somehow, some way, I would love for us to grasp a hold of some of that and begin to use that for ourselves. So John, Jesus says in, in John 5 or 17, he says, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. I too am working. Now here's one of the... You know, I made this expression before, and I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it again if you let me preach another time or two. The Apostle Paul had an uncanny way of using words that were all-encompassing kinds of words. He really did, and I don't like the way that he writes sometimes because it's incriminating of how I'm not living because he says things that are sometimes too encompassing for me because I can't live that way. But statements like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How's that working out for you? I can tell you how it's working out for me not very well sometimes because I haven't grasped exactly how to live my life in such a way that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I still have those moments in my life that are, that are less than wonderful less than phenomenal, and they're pretty messed up. But I know that that statement is true because it's in the Bible, and I believe the Bible to be true because I believe it to be the inspired Word of God. The only challenge with that is I haven't exactly learned to live that way. But when I look at this expression that Jesus makes, my Father is always at work. I wonder sometimes if I'm always at work. 
Some of you know this about me, some of you don't, especially those of you who are visiting. I was, a, I was a full-time minister for a number of years, and I learned when I was in full-time ministry, I could work 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and never get done. I could never finish. And there were always more things to do. There were always more people to see. There were always more things that needed attention. And I had to come to some understanding in my own heart and my own mind. I had to rationalize some way how to have a family life, how to have a, a church life, how to have a work life, and put all of that together in such a way that I could go home and my kids wouldn't kick me and, and the dog wouldn't bite me. But then I look at this and, I, and, I, and it says, my father's always at work. And Jesus says, and I'm working too. And it causes me to think about, well, what does he mean to be working? Does it mean we're constantly preaching? I don't think so. Was Jesus preaching 24-7? No. There was at least one occasion I remember where he went to a wedding, and it was such a great wedding, they ran out of wine, and he had to make more wine to finish the party. Jesus ate with people. He hung out with folks. He did fun stuff with people. He sat down in a well and rested because he was tired of walking. So I want you to realize that even though you and I, no more than Jesus, can work 24-7, we can't be preaching the word 24-7, we can't be saying the word 24-7, there is an essence, though, in which God is constantly working all around us. And you and I somehow have to capture the ability to sense His Spirit when His Spirit is working and to sense His calling when His Spirit is calling, whether He's calling us or whether He's calling someone that's next to us. We have to be able to see and hear and sense and know when God is working around us so that we can be working too. And I don't know how to do that except, except to make sure that the relationship that I have with the Father is as good as I can possibly make it. Now, some people think that that comes through prayer, some through meditation, some through reading the Word, some through just being with other Christians. And all of those may be true, and it may be better for you to read a lot more in the Word, and it may be better for some of you to pray a lot more. And I'm, try I'm not trying to tell you which is the better, but I am offering to you that somewhere, somehow, we have to be engaged in our spiritual walk with God so well and so connected that we know. We know when God is trying to do something. I had the opportunity yesterday afternoon to have dinner with my son over in Long Beach. He was at a meeting over there, and I was over there messing around, so we connected at a little barbecue joint there in town, and we were talking, and he said, Dad, he said, I tried to do one of your deals. I'm like, what are you talking about, son? He's like, well, he said, you would have been proud of me. He said, there was this little old lady. She was like 95 years old. He works in downtown L.A., on Fifth Avenue or something, but he was in downtown L.A., and he said this, I was sitting in my car finishing up a phone call, and this lady walked over, and she had a cane, and she could barely walk, and she walked right over to my window, and she just looked at me. And she just kept standing there staring at me, and I rolled my window down, and I said, can I help you? She said, I need to go to my chemo treatment, and the guy that was going to take me can't come. Can you take me to my doctor's appointment? And he asked her a couple of questions like, do you know where your doctor's office is? Because that's kind of important if you're going to take someone. And what time is your appointment? So he asked her a few key questions, and she seemed to give reasonable answers. He said, okay, come on in. And he said it took her like three minutes to walk around the car to get in the car. She finally gets in the car, and they head out down Washington because she said it's down Washington. And he said, where are we going? She said, oh, I'll tell you when we get there. 
and they go way down Washington, and they're kind of out of downtown L.A., and my son's beginning to think, I'm not sure she knows where she needs to go. And he starts asking her a series of questions about, do you remember where you're at? And, and she said, well, I think it was by Olive. Well, Olive in Washington is like way downtown L.A. He was going the wrong way, so he pulls you, he gets back down there, and he's thinking, and he said, you know, I'm not sure this lady has a doctor's appointment. And he said, you know, how about if I just take you back where I found you because, or where you got in my car because I think your doctor's appointment might be, might be closer there. And she said, yeah, that would be good. And so he took her back to where he picked her up and he let her out. And my son was like, you know, Dad, this thing that really scared me was what if she has dementia and I'm the guy that carried her 12 miles away and dropped her off and left her? Wouldn't that be exciting? News flash, lady missing. From Olive in Washington, downtown L.A., she's disappeared. No one can find her. My son was trying to do the good thing. He was trying to do the right thing, discerning where God wanted him to do something. And I'm sure, I guarantee you, they had an amazing conversation when they were riding. I promise you they did, because my, my son just, he knows how to do that. You have to be able to discern when God is calling you to work. And the only way to do that is stay connected to God. Jesus said in verse 19, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. And you and I, if we're not in tune with who God is and what He's trying to do in the world, we'll never see what God is trying to do. And what is it that God is trying to do? The greatest of His messages is simply this. You should believe that my Son is the Christ. God is at work every day trying to reach out and call people and draw them to His Son. That's what God does. The Bible says God is not willing. It is not the desire of God's heart that any should perish, but what? That all, all, another one of those crazy words that Paul throws in there, all should come to repentance. Wouldn't that be nice if we all came to repentance? How's that working out for you? How many people do you know who really could care less about God? How many people do you know who could care less about Jesus? And if you bring up the name, they look at you like you have three ears or something. But we still need to know where God is working. And we still need to be able to see what God is doing. Because unless we can hear Him, unless we can see what He's doing, you and I can never engage in the project with Him. You do realize that Jesus really had no other plan than to leave this whole thing called Christianity in the hands of those men called apostles, right? He, he didn't have another plan. He only chose 12 and he knew one of them was going to betray him. And then he left them and he ascended into heaven and as he ascended into heaven just after that a few days, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that power of the Spirit being with them is what caused them and and allowed them to begin to see and to hear and to do the things that God needed them to do. And sometimes you and I can still be the recipients of that Holy Spirit being among us and working among us because there are times, and all of us could probably tell a story or two, there are times when there's just something that just didn't make sense, but we're like, I need to go do this. And we do it. Or there's something about something that we're about to do, and we're like, no, I need to go do this instead, and we go do that, and there's a reason. I show up in Vicente Guerrero on, on a Friday morning. I spent the night in Ensenada Thursday night, the city of children, Tom Began. I drove down to VG Friday morning and I'd walk into John Half's house. 
And you guys don't even know who John is. John's a guy that moved down from, from Seattle 20-something years ago, lives in Mexico, he retired, he was an antique dealer, retired, ended up marrying a gal down there. He now has little uh, bunk houses that he rents out to groups that come down and do work in Vicente Guerrero. I met him a few years ago and he's been really, really sick. And I show up at John's house, unannounced. Just unannounced. And we're sitting there and he's like, Ed? He said, you know, normally I'm not even home. Because usually every morning he leaves to go have breakfast with some friends of his and he usually leaves the house around 8.30 and he doesn't return until about 10 o'clock. He's retired. What else he got to do? Some of you guys relate to that. He said, I don't even know why I'm home here, except I needed to talk with you about some things that we're doing here with Oasis and except that I need you to take me and show me a couple of things because I need you to give me some insight and some stuff. And so we get in my car and we start driving around Vicente Guerrero. And he takes me to two or three different projects that he's working on. He introduces me to this guy named Peter who's from uh, Edmond, uh, Ontario? Edmond, Canada? Edmonton? Yeah, Alberta. Edmonton, Alberta. And I meet him and he's been there eight years. He's doing this amazing project for children with severe learning and, and physical disabilities, mentally retarded. It's a phenomenal project. And John said, Ed, this is why you came. Now, I don't know if you can believe that or not. I don't know if you can accept that or not, but I can tell you I can. And I believe that God put me in that place at that time for just exactly what we did. And I believe that God will continually and constantly put you exactly where you need to be at exactly the right time, just like he did Esther in the Old Testament. Who knows, but, but you have been placed here for just this time. This is the moment, the song that came out. Who was the gal that sang the song, One Moment in Time? We have one moment in time. Maybe it's only one. You know, it took God 80-something years to get Moses ready to lead the children. Now, there are a few of us who recently turned 80 in the room. There are a few of us who are 80. And I'm telling you, is it taking God 80 years to get you ready for something? Don't rule that out. Don't rule it out that God has taken these 80-something years to get you ready for something. One thing. Because that's the way God works. But we have to be willing to watch. We have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to see. We have to be willing to accept the Spirit's nudging and calling and direction in our lives. Jesus said in verse 24, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Isn't it exciting? Isn't it amazing when you and I have the opportunity to share Jesus in a way with someone that they actually come to believe in him as their Savior? Some of you have done that a lot. You've, you've, you've converted and you've helped bring a lot of people to Christ. Some of you have never had much of an opportunity for that. But it's an amazing experience, even if you've only done it with one or two people. It's a phenomenal experience to know that you had the opportunity to engage and talk and lead a person to the decision to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus said, I can do nothing by myself, though. I don't do anything on my own. So my question is, can you live a life without feel liking it's you doing it? And can you and I surrender our lives to God and His direction and His guidance so that we will walk in harmony with Him and we'll hear the things that He wants us to hear and we'll see the things He needs us to see and we'll do the things that He needs us to do and realize that it's not us. 
It's not us. It's not me. It's not you that's controlling, pulling the strings. It's God allowing all of these things to happen so that we are at the right place at the right time to do what he needs us to do. I can do nothing by myself. This morning in the class, I was talking with the teenagers, and we were talking about the, the passage of Scripture that was the lesson for the day where Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter to the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting when you think about if you can remember what it was like when you were a little kid or maybe the last time you were around some little kids they were like two or three or four years old. And the simplicity of their hearts and the genuineness of the love that they have and their ability to not understand what hate and, and discord and, and all of those horrible, no good, very bad emotions are, they don't get all that stuff yet. They haven't been taught those yet. Jesus calls us to live as God would have us to live because Jesus lived that way. He can do nothing of himself. Little kids can't do anything by themselves really. They depend on mom or dad. You and I need to get to that place in our lives. So my question is, can you live as Jesus lived? Because without him, we could do nothing. That's a song we sing. Without him, I can do nothing. You know the song, but do we live that way? You see, Jesus has called us to be like him. Jesus has called us to live a life that's healing. And it's not us that does the healing. It's God working through us. He's called us to live a life that is like the light that shines on the hill, but we're not the light. It's us living in such a way that the light shines through us. He's called us to be a people who bring healing and hope and promise for an eternal future that nothing or no one else can bring and nothing or no one else can share. So can you live with Jesus like he lived? Can you live with God like he wants you to live? Can you empty yourself and allow them to come in. Tormented by guilt or burdened with grief, he can heal us. While we do not fully understand how the atonement of Christ was made, we can experience the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Through the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ, our natures can be changed. Then our power to carry burdens can be increased more than enough. We see ourselves in terms of yesterday and today. Our Heavenly Father sees us in terms of forever. Although we might settle for less, Heavenly Father won't, for He sees us as glorious beings we are capable of becoming. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of transformation. It takes us as men and women out of the earth and refines us into men and women for eternities. Jesus said, Without me, ye can do nothing. I testify that that is God's truth. Christ is everything to us, and we are to abide in him permanently unyieldingly, steadfastly, forever, 
for the fruit of the gospel to blossom and bless our lives, we must be firmly attached to him. He is Jesus Christ, the Holy One of Israel, full of grace and mercy and truth. It is he that cometh to take away the sins of the world, yea, the sins of every man who steadfastly believed on his name. I witness the reality and divinity of a living Savior who invites us to come unto him and be transformed. We can be spiritually prepared and cleansed from sin, immersed in and saturated with his gospel, and purified and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, even born again. We invite everyone on this beautiful planet to taste of his doctrine and see if it is not sweet and good and precious. We ask those of sincere heart to learn of this doctrine and ask their Father in heaven if it is not true. By doing so, all can discover, embrace, and walk in the true faith of their Father, which faith will make them whole. Oh, sweet the joy this sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives. So Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, oftentimes when people come to a conversation about faith and Christ and Jesus and this whole church thing, they get a little freaked out because they think all of a sudden, oh no, here are all these rules and regulations. And they spend so much time thinking about what they cannot do, they fail to realize and recognize the true freedom that comes and what we can do. Because Jesus has brought peace and joy and freedom. He didn't come with burdens. Burdens were lifted at Calvary. The burdens are gone. What he asks us to do, though, is come to him and live as he's lived and to share the message that we embraced at some time in our lives and what we embrace over and over and over again in our lives. He's asked us to come and to just share that and to live that experience and to be aware of those who are around us whom Jesus is calling, whom God is calling, to be aware of those that God is trying to touch them. And you might be the only person this year that that person gets to see who has the life and the light of Jesus living in them. So can you be like Jesus? Can you and I live our lives and come to the end as our brother Clint Fox's own brother has done and have someone stand before the audience at your memorial service and say, if you've seen him, you've seen Jesus. We're going to sing this song, Hallelujah, Praise Jehovah. Skeeter's going to come and lead us. And I invite you to consider your walk with Christ. If you've never made the decision to become a Christian this morning, the table is ready, the baptistry is ready. We have plenty of time. We have all day to get things ready for you to put on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in baptism. And if there are those here, though, who have just... Not walk the walk that you want to walk. It's never too late. 
because we're not here at your funeral. We're here to extend life. We're here to share the message. And so we invite you to come. Let the church know how we can encourage you and pray with you. Skeeter, come and lead us in this song. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah. From the heavens, praise his name. Praise Jehovah in the highest. All his angels praise, proclaim. All his hosts 